Good morning. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord. God is so good, isn't he? He's so good. You know, that song um, that we sang at the end about um, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. It's not the incense you buy in the shop. <laughs> I tell you what it is. It's the incense of our praise and worship. And uh, it's the honor that we give to God. And God sees our heart attitude when we're worshiping him. And that is incense to God. Um, and he loves that. So I just wanted to encourage you with that, that when we, when we come together as a, as a church body and spend time praising and worshiping God, there's something really powerful in that. Uh, I, love, I love coming to church to praise the Lord with all of you because it's, it's just such a special um, time to be able to worship God knowing that everyone else is doing the same thing. And, uh, I, and God loves that. So um, just wanted to encourage you, you know, just don't worry about what other people are doing around you. Just, you know, just uh, worship him with your heart. If that means you just need to shut your eyes, do it. Um, don't worry about whether people look at you. When I was younger, I had to get over myself with that. <laughs> when I realized that actually nobody was even looking at me then, I was like, oh, okay, thank you, God. <laughs> um, I just want to read something to you from Ephesians 4 before I start my message. And uh, it's, it's a verse 11. It says, He, that's Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? It was for the equipping of the saints, which is you, for the work of the ministry, which is what you have, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, like uh, when, when we come to church, and church is so important to be, it's really important to be here. Why? Because that's where you get equipped. It's where you get equipped. And so I'd really encourage you, you know, whatever you're doing during the week, that's not, that's, you don't just come to church on a Sunday just to just to um, have your ears tickled or um, just to, to spend a little bit of time in God's presence. You're actually getting in under God's um, presence with the whole church as a, as a local church to be equipped so that when you go out to whatever you do, and we all have a sphere of influence. It might just be our family, though. It could be, um, it could be in education. It could be in any of the seven mountains, which are education media, um, entertainment, um, uh, business. Um, that, yep, did I say family already? I can't remember. Um, religion. Well, that, that would be something that Pastor Peter and I are called to. Um, not everybody's called to that. But we all have a ministry, something that we, something that we are called to do. And, uh, and so, you know, um, and come to church to be filled to go ahead and do that, you know. We need to be seeing people's lives saved and changed. We need to be declaring over the people that we love that don't know God that, you know, that they'll come to know him. And uh, so invite family and friends to church. Um, you can get them saved. I'm not saying you have to get them saved at church. They can be saved anytime. In fact, that should be happening all the time. Um, but, you know, we, let's invite some people in. Um, we've got Easter coming up at the end of March. It's only about six weeks away. So I encourage you, invite people to that. It's a really great time for people that are a little bit resistant to coming to church to come because um, Easter is a time that a lot of people 
Um, if they don't go to church, but they occasionally might, it will be usually Christmas or, or Easter. And so invite people to that. So that's on Sunday the 31st of March. Um, and we're going to have um, a 10.30 service that day and some hot cross buns afterwards to celebrate with you as our family. I think Easter's lovely with hot cross buns, don't you? That's, why, that's where the cross comes. It's not just some random decoration. The cross is meant to mean the cross of Christ. That's what that's about. So let's go, get on with our message. I'm just going to pray first. Father, thank you, Lord, for, uh, thank you for this day. I thank you for your presence here now. Thank you for your presence. Holy Spirit, have your way. Speak through me. And I pray, Father God, that people would have open hearts to receive, ears to hear and hearts to receive in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so I am doing part two of our covenant with God. Um, it's so important that before we, it's so important that we as Christians understand our covenant um, because it's so powerful, so, so powerful. It's an agreement, as I said last week. And it's sometimes, but not always sealed in blood, but our covenant with God is sealed in blood. Um, and it's different, I said last week, it's different to a contract, okay? So both a covenant and a contract contain obligations and commitments, but the difference is that a covenant involves personal relationship. And so a contract doesn't have that, does it? If you've ever signed a contract, it's just about something specific. It's not, it's not a personal relationship. So um, in Old Testament times, a gift would be offered from each person or group or tribe of people to the other on the day the covenant was made. And I've got this cool book here that I've borrowed from Pastor Robin, which was her, her dad's before that. Because <laughs> hey, it's got his name written in the front. Um, but it's a really great book. And I uh, wanted to read something to you from it because it's an example um, that he wrote about, about a man called Henry Morton Stanley. And I had to look up who these people were. He was a man um, who was an explorer. And he went, this is a long time ago too, this is uh, over 100 years ago. So he went searching for a missing missionary called Dr. Livingstone. And he, Dr. Livingstone had been ministering in Africa and he had been missing for about four years and nobody knew where he was or whether he was still alive. And, uh, and so Stanley decided, I'm going to go and look for this doctor and, and search for him. So in his search, Stanley encountered a very powerful warlike tribe and their presence was making it very difficult for Stanley to continue his search. Um, and Stanley wasn't in, in any position to be able to fight. Here we go. Whoops, wrong page. Where have I, oh, here we go, sorry. All right. So when his interpreter suggested that he uh, make a strong covenant with this tribe, Stanley asked what that actually meant. 
and the interpreter told him it meant drinking each, each other's blood, which put him off. Um, he didn't like the idea of that at all. But the conditions kept growing worse until finally the interpreter asked him again, why do you not just cut a covenant with the chieftain of the tribe? And Stanley asked what the results of such a covenant would be, and the interpreter answered, everything that the chieftain has will be yours if you need it. That's a cool way. Eh? And this appeal to Stanley sounded good. So after several days of negotiation, they, they, the day arrived where they were going to cut the covenant. And first, there had been a parlay. Now, I haven't heard that word except for on the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I don't know about you, but it's not really a word that we, <laughs> we use very much, is it? <laughs> but they were, that just means to discuss. Um, so they discussed, um, and, and the, the chieftain questioned Stanley as to his motives and standing and his ability to keep the covenant. And so they did that. And the next step was an exchange of gifts. Now, the old chieftain wanted Stanley's new white goat. And Stanley was in poor health, and the goat's milk was about all that he could actually have for nourishment. So it was very hard for Stanley to give this up, but the chieftain seemed to want nothing else. So he finally gave up the goat, and the old chieftain handed him his seven-foot copper-wound spear and Stanley thought, man, I've got a rotten deal. But he found out that wherever he went in Africa with that spear, everybody bowed to him and submitted to him. Isn't that interesting? We're not used to covenant in a country like New Zealand. We're not really used to that. Certainly not in this day and age. Um, and in a lot of other nations as well. So what happened was um, they both um, had a person that came and kind of uh, was a substitute for them and they mingled their blood and, and so forth and they ended up, those two groups became blood brothers. So it says a few hours before the covenant was cut, Stanley's men had to stand on guard about their bales of cotton cloth and trinkets, but now he could open the bales and leave them on the street and nothing was disturbed. For anyone to steal from their blood brother, Stanley, was a death penalty. Isn't that interesting? The old chieftain couldn't do enough for his newfound brother. And so I think that that is a really good example of, of what, covenant is about and God's actually made a covenant with us it's a really valuable thing so Jesus God sent Jesus to live as a man 2,000 years ago and through that through his, his death on the cross it gave us access to a new covenant and uh, and by the way where you see your Bible and it says Old Testament New Testament, testament means covenant and so in Hebrew. And so it means the old covenant, new covenant. And the new covenant is, is even better than the old covenant. It's even better than, than that. Now, I, just like Stanley had given 
the chief his goat, and the chief gave him his spear. When, when Jesus came to the earth, it was God's gift to us. So John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish but would have everlasting life. And that was a very valuable gift. Very, very valuable. Um, and our gift to God when we make the decision to accept Jesus is our life. Um, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, do, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. And what was the price? It was Jesus' blood, right? Therefore, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So our life is a very valuable gift to God as well. So our covenant with God, even though it was sealed in Jesus' blood 2,000 years ago, it became active in our life when we made that decision to make Jesus our Lord and Savior. And our covenant with God is a covenant of grace, where sin no longer has a hold over us. Now, if you're a person that hasn't been to church much, sin is just the things we do wrong, things that, we, that, that aren't good. Things, and we've all done lots of those. So, um, so just know that, that it, that's what that is. And the reason why sin no longer has any hold over us is because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from sin and has made things right between us and God. Okay. Um, I also spoke last week about the marriage covenant, um, some really good stuff in there. I'd encourage you to listen to that if you haven't already. It's on, on our website. Um, so, you know, the marriage covenant is ordained by God, and it's an image of, a, of also the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church as well. Because we're the bride of Christ, that's what the, the Bible says. So our covenant with God is likened um, by God to the marriage covenant. Um, and Ephesians 5, 25 to 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he, that's Jesus, might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. I talked last week about the rapture um, as well because Jesus is coming back for that. That's the reason why it says he's coming back. It's because of um, there will come a time where, where the believers will be taken. Um, but listen to the message if you haven't heard it. So a glorious church is a church without spot or wrinkle. So that's talking about holiness and purity. So that example I gave last week, which was more general, um, and it was similar to the, what I just told you about Stanley um, and the chief of the African tribe, covenant is so powerful because what one has, the other needs, and vice versa. Um, where one is weak, the other is strong. So when we're, when we're in covenant or when two groups are in covenant or two people, they're both strong, because each one covers the other's weakness. And that applies to the marriage covenant as well. For example, one tribe might have strength in farming and crops. Um, the other tribe might have strength as warriors. And so they can place a demand on their covenant when they're in need for what the other 
group has. And Abraham made a covenant with God, or God made a covenant with Abraham, through, and through his son Isaac, the nation of Israel was born. So, so Isaac was born, he was the son of Abraham, and then Abraham, uh, Isaac had two sons. One of them was Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons uh, became the 12 tribes of Israel. So, um, so at that time, so one of those 12 sons was a man named Joseph, and the nation of Israel went to Egypt um, because there was a time of really bad famine, and they were welcome at first um, in Egypt because Joseph had found divine favor with Pharaoh. But once Joseph and the Pharaoh died and all the people that knew them died, uh, those, the nation of Israel ended up being in bondage in Egypt, and they were in slavery for several hundred years. So it was about 400 years later, um, and I'm going to read from Exodus 2, 23 to 24. It says, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning. Now the groaning isn't whinging, by the way. It's not like, oh, man. You know, it wasn't that at all. It was, um, it's, a, it's a sign of physical distress. That's what the meaning is, or, or even grief. Um, and it says that God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant, covenant with Abraham um, and Isaac and Jacob. So God couldn't break that covenant that he'd previously made with Abraham because he's a covenant-keeping God, and he still is today. He's a covenant-keeping God. And so when Israel cried out to God for freedom from bondage, God's covenant commitment said that he would see them set free. And so the, the miraculous things that happened in order to set them free were amazing. And you should read them if you haven't, because that's incredible. And even the story of the parting of the Red Sea, that's a miracle in itself as well. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they escaped through the Red Sea because it parted. God parted it for them. So under the Old Covenant, the best that God could provide for his people was atonement, which means covering of sin. So to atone for the sins of the people, the blood of bulls and goats was used. Um, but sacrificing an animal needed to be done over and over because their blood only covered the people's sins for a time. Um, but under the new covenant, atonement isn't the word used because Jesus didn't actually cover our sin. He actually cleansed us and washed away our sin as if it had actually never happened. That is actually quite amazing if you think about it. So, you know, don't ever let the enemy um, poke you in the, in, the, in the side saying, what about this time that you did that? Because if you've asked God, you know... Jesus' blood has covered your sin, and so when you say, Lord, forgive me, everything's gone. You know, in fact, when you receive Jesus, he cleanses you at that point and makes you right again with God. So, you know, Jesus, dying on the cross, he bore all of our sin, and he only needed to do it once. Why? Because he was... Sinless, sin-free, sin-free. Hebrews 10 uh, verses 11 and 12 confirms that. So 
I think that's amazing. So, you know, God, under the new covenant, Jesus' blood removes our, even our sin consciousness so that we can stand before God without condemnation. Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So there's no condemnation as long, you know, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who, as long as you're not walking according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, there is no condemnation. Um, and the enemy is the one that condemns, by the way. The, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, but the enemy conde- likes to condemn and remind us and say, you're a really bad person, actually. But, you know, God, you just need to... If we can understand the covenant, we, then we won't be fooled into believing what he will say anymore. So under the old covenant, only the high priest could enter God's presence in the Holy of Holies, but Hebrews 9.11 says that Jesus is our high priest. And the high priest was the mediator between man and God. Um, so Jesus, as our high priest, is the mediator of the new covenant. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one media, mediator between God and men, and that's Jesus. So the moment that Jesus died on the cross, the time, for the, sac- the time of the sacrificing of bulls and goats was over. Isn't that exciting? Because it means we don't have to do that anymore. Because Jesus has paid the price once and for all. So that, that moment that Jesus died, the, the new covenant began. Um, so why did we need a mediator? It's because our right standing with God was lost in, at the time of Adam. Um, we had no legal ground with which to approach him, and it was like being outlaws. Um, And if you read Westerns, you'll understand what that means. (laughs) But Jesus came, and on the cross, God laid all of man's sin on him so that our sins would be removed entirely as if they'd never happened. I love that. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. So he settled man's sin problem and also offered salvation and restoration with our relationship with God. Um, It says that when we are born again, we're made righteous. That just means being made right with God again. We're being made right with God. So as our mediator, Jesus is the only way to God. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Uh, And that's why we can't find God through any other religion. And we can't find God through ourself or our own spiritual consciousness. We can't do anything like that on our own. It's only through Jesus. He is the bridge that bridges us between, make, it creates the bridge between us and God. Um, so our, God, our covenant with God is so powerful because once Jesus sat down at God's right hand, he made a way for us to live victorious lives. And so we need to grasp hold of that and have a revelation of it because God wants us victorious. He sa- it says in the word that we're more than conquerors. And, uh, and so we need, to, we need to know that. We need to have that in our hearts so that we can walk in the way that God wants us, uh, not like beaten down Christians. Um, Matthew 28, verses 18 um, and 19, and maybe a bit of 20 says, Jesus actually said this, all authority has been given 
to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. So we need to learn our authority because God has given, Jesus has the authority and he's delegated it to us. The Bible says that we've been made joint heirs with Christ Jesus and so that means that that we can act in that same authority. So as God's new covenant partners, we can stand fearlessly on the word because Jesus is our surety of the new covenant. Now, that's not a word that we use much, um, but I'm going to explain what it means. A surety is like having a guarantor. Um, and you might not even know what that means, but I'll explain it. So a guarantor is... Someone who's going to say, um, I'll pay the debt if this person, like, so somebody might want to borrow money. Uh, a guarantor will say, if they, if they default on their loan, I'll pay it. That's what a guarantor is. And so sometimes banks will only lend money to people if another person agrees to be their guarantor. So Jesus, you could think of him as being our surety or our guarantor. Um, that God's part in the new covenant will be performed. Hebrews 7.22 says, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant, and Jesus acts on our behalf as well. The Bible says that Jesus, as our high priest, is our advocate. You could think of that as being like a defense attorney. 1 John 2 verse 1 says, These things I write to you that you may not sin, and if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ. That's cool. So our position with God in this new covenant is secure. Um, and we can, the, the Bible says in John 14, 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now in the original Greek, that word ask actually means demand. And so when we're in covenant, like for example, Stanley and that chief, if if, uh, if Stanley needed help, like if he desperately needed some protection, they would have had to have provided that because they were blood brothers and, and vice versa. And so we can actually place a demand on our covenant with God. And how do we do that? It's by um, reminding God of what the word says and applying our faith to it. So... So when things happen in our lives, and it happens to all of us, we need to go to God as his covenant partners and place a demand on our covenant with him that he keep the promises he gave. And because of the way that we've grown up in society, we might think that's rude, but it's actually not. That's what God is waiting for us to do. He can, he can act on our behalf when we speak the word of God. Um, out of our mouth. So when we need healing, we can say, God, our covenant says by Jesus' stripes I'm healed according to 1 Peter 2.24. Therefore, I place a demand on our covenant for that healing. Your word settles it. It doesn't need to be anything difficult. We just need to uh, make sure we're standing on this word. And I love the fact that and half of my binding's gone. That's because this Bible is... Um, 35 years old or something. It's been well used. <laughs> um, when we need provision, we can say, God, our covenant says, when I bring my tithe to the storehouse, which is the church, 
you will open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there isn't room enough to receive it, and you will rebuke the devourer for our sake as well. And so um, I thank you, God, for the covenant that I have with you for our provision in Jesus' name. You know, we can, we can stand on the word of God because that's part of the covenant, and God had every single promise in this Bible is for us. When we need wisdom, we can say, God, our covenant says, if I lack wisdom, I can ask you for wisdom, and you'll give it to me according to James 1.5. Therefore... I place a demand on my covenant with you, Lord, for wisdom. I need your wisdom. Thank you for it. God will provide. So uh, <clears throat> Jeremiah the prophet prophesied about the new covenant 600 years before Jesus actually came in the flesh. That's a long time, isn't it? A really, really long time. However... He was spot on, despite the fact that he would have died long before Jesus actually came. And it says in Jeremiah 31, 31, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And then in verse 33, it goes, it goes on to say, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wow, that's cool. And that, that's, those scriptures are actually repeated in Hebrews 8 as well. So it's referring to the new covenant. So, yeah, so praise God for that. Luke twenty-two twenty. 20, um, also gives us confirmation of the beginning of the new covenant because at the Last Supper, um, before he was betrayed, Jesus said, this is the cup, uh, sorry, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Uh, and in Matthew 26, um, verses 27 to 28, it's similarly, uh, a similar recording of it. He says, then Jesus, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So our covenant with God is a relationship. That's what God wanted all along. He wants, he's, he's adopted us into his family. We are his covenant daughters and sons. He loves us dearly, and he wants us to have everything in this covenant too. But we are responsible for making sure that we, we realize that, hey, because it doesn't automatically just happen. We have to actually do something about it. So the new covenant is a covenant of grace because we didn't need to do anything to be part of it except choosing to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Isn't that cool? So it's a gift. We've been saved by grace. All we have to do is accept it. Um, so the prophecy in Jeremiah 31, um, verse 33, and also um, where it's 
also repeated in Hebrews 8, verses 7 to 13, that's confirmation that God wants a close relationship with us. Um, through the new covenant, the Holy Spirit's been given to all of us who've, been, who've made Jesus our Lord. Um, in fact, as I said earlier in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit lives in us. Um, so under the old covenant, only a small number of people received the Holy Spirit or were, you know, close to God, prophets and some kings and a few other people, um, the priests, but the general population wasn't included. But under the new covenant, everybody has direct access to God. Um, and we have, as it says in Acts 2, 38 to 39, Peter said to uh, said at that time, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and your children and all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. So it's for everybody. So since we have the Holy Spirit living inside us, the new covenant is so much more powerful than the old covenant. And so unlike the old covenant we have direct connection with God anytime and we can approach his throne at any time Hebrews 4 verses 14 to 16 says seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens that's Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin so that's just saying that our high priest, that's Jesus, knows what it is to live like, like a, per, a human being. He knows he's been tempted in every way just like we have been, but he never sinned. So he understands. He can, he, he, he can sympathize with our weaknesses. But it says, let us therefore, so in other words, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Praise God. So at the Last Supper, Jesus introduced the new covenant. And as I read before, Matthew 26 to, uh, verses 26 to 28 says, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. For he then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus told the disciples to drink from the cup, signifying their commitment to the new covenant. Excuse me. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 25, um, Paul showed that Jesus' command to remember him through communion was a command for all of us. Um, and so it essentially says the same thing. It says, um, the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So communion is about remembering our covenant with God. 
It's about reconfirming our faith and our love and our loyalty to him. So when we take communion, we are confirming our commitment to him. But when we take communion without giving thought to what we're actually doing or by not seriously examining ourselves, there, there is a potentially a problem. Um, 1 Corinthians 11.28 says, Let a man examine himself. And I'm just going to turn there. 1 Corinthians 11. Here we go. But let a man examine himself. And so, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And then it says, uh, For this reason many are weak um, and sick among you, and many sleep. And that means uh, that the meaning in Greek is that they have died. For, we would, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So... When it says um, in verse 29, for he who eats and drinks, or in other words, that means partakes in communion, in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. So we need to be checking ourselves out before we take communion. We need to um, take it seriously. To examine yourself, the, the, the word examine in the original Greek means to scrutinize yourself. Um, it means to s- scrutinize yourself to see if you're genuine or not. So it's always something that we should be doing before we take communion. So to examine yourself is like to reflect on your innermost motivations. Um, and so, uh, so when we take communion, we need to remember that we're sharing a covenant meal at Jesus' table and we are renewing our commitment to the new covenant he established. So next time we take communion, which won't be um, for another couple of weeks, Remember that it isn't something that we should take lightly. It's something that we need to first do examining ourselves. Okay, So it's where we remember what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross. It's where we refresh and renew our commitment to him. So I don't know all of you that well, but if you don't know God, um, the covenant that he has um, offered to all of us, every person living and breathing, um, is is rather astonishing and very, very, very good value. <laughs> and I would strongly recommend it, that you take them up on the offer. And all you need to do is, is pray a prayer and just say, I accept what that gift you've given me and I make Jesus that you died, you know, you died on the cross for me. And uh, I, I believe all of that. So... So I'm going, to do, I'm going to give you all an opportunity. I know, I, I know a lot of you are already saved, but I don't know every single one of you. So there could be someone in here that hasn't made that commitment. But I just want to, I want to invite you to be part of this new covenant because it is very, very important. Um, and not only is it important in this life, but it means that when, when we die, which we all eventually will, that we have a really cool place to go to. Down here will be the most stressful and and work tense that we'll ever feel, but when we get to heaven, the stress is gone. And God has many blessings for us there. Um, The Bible talks about it in in 
you know, it talks about how, you know, I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus said. Um, I'm going to, you know, in my father's house there are many mansions. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And God's preparing that for each one of you. Um, when it's ready, you'll be, he you'll be heading there. And it is a real place because we are, we are a spiritual being. We have a spirit. We possess a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a physical body. So our physical body is just like uh, the tent that we live in while we're here. And I know that Pastor Peter and I were talking about how uh, while we're here, let's just do the best we can to fulfill the call that God has on our lives because we can relax when we get to heaven. <laughs> uh, we can feel the utmost relief when we get to heaven. And I'm not saying we should be working like crazy because we still need rest here. But, uh, but we, you know, God's got incredible blessing for us in heaven, but also through his word, he wants to bless us while we're here as well. Because God's coming back for a glorious church. And we've got a wee ways to go for the church to be glorious, in my opinion. Um, so I'm just going to pray. If everyone could pray this with me, it's just a short prayer. Um, if you do do this for the very first time, then please come and see me or um, who else would be the right people. Um, people that stand at the door would be, would be uh, um, good as well. Either that or Pastor Peter, um, any of us. And we can get you a pack um, about that. So, Lord Jesus, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and personal Saviour. Amen. See how easy that is? It's very easy. Very, very easy. And if you've done that for the first time, you are now part of the covenant, the new covenant, uh, which is sealed in Jesus' blood. It's filled with incredible blessing. And, uh, and, and the good thing is that when you make a commitment to God, I would strongly recommend get yourself planted in, in a good Bible-believing church. This one is one of them, um, where you can learn more about God's word and, um, and be discipled. So I just want to um, open up, uh, if we could have some music shortly, Hayley. Um, just wanted to open up for anybody that needs any prayer um, and, and myself or one of the leaders would be happy to, or even the, um, even the ministry team would be happy to pray for you. So if you do want prayer, please come forward um, now. But otherwise, God bless you. There, the cafe is open today. And um, so go and enjoy some fellowship with some other believers from our church. Get to know one another. We are a family, and family needs to know each other so that during the hard times, we can support each other. So I just want to say bless you. I want to speak a blessing over you, Father. Bless these people. Bless their family. I declare life over every family represented here. I declare salvation over the ones in their family that don't know you. And I just pray, Father God, for a super blessed week for them. Give them wisdom 
help um, help your word just to actually um, to grow in their heart so that it actually reaps a really good harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God.